Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan Darty, and uh, I've got a friend here from Portland, Oregon, Austin McRobbie with us. So, Austin, welcome to the program. Jonathan, so great to be here with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing some of your story and then also for us to be able to really dive in and maybe helping helping couples think through this whole issue of, you know, what does emotional vulnerability mean to a relationship? But before we dive into that, uh, listeners, I want to let you know, as we do periodically, that we're a listener-supported program. So the only way that you're hearing us or seeing us is because we've just had faithful and generous partners come alongside and uh, pour into this ministry. And so if you are interested in in donating towards this cause and this ministry that we have here, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Um, or an easy and free way for you, you to support the program is just rate and review the podcast, if you would, please. It does help it to rise in search rankings when people are looking for help when it comes to sexual integrity issues, relationship issues, and we want to just be able to try to help as many people as we can. So Austin, it's great to have you here with us. Uh, You know, before we dive into maybe trying to talk specifically about, you know, the challenges and benefits of vulnerability in marriage, why don't you give us a little bit of backstory on on you and and how, how you even got to be, let's say, part of a conversation on talking about vulnerability in marriage? Great question. Well, for me, Jonathan, it comes out of my own brokenness in my marriage. My wife and I got married 10 years ago and we had a rocky start. Uh, We had recently lost the opportunity to actually be overseas missionaries because of our own struggle with sexual purity before we were married. And we came into marriage um, a little disoriented. We came into marriage myself, insecure, depressed and anxious and um, not really connecting in the healthiest of ways. We, we had a lot of conflict, a lot of bumps. And I, I'm ashamed to say I was showing up in my marriage and some of the ways I had seen modeled in my family of just being critical, controlling, high expectations. So the work that I do to help couples now comes from me trying and doing all the things that you shouldn't do and having some breakdowns there, but also ultimately getting the breakthrough where my wife and I were um, blessed. We were graced with the opportunity to work with a very heartfelt guide who helped us find the heart issues behind our negative relationship dynamic. Um, And so now here we are 10 years later and I can say, you know, we're, my wife's pregnant with number three. We've got two little girls. We're in the middle of a pandemic with so many changes Sure, a lot of the listeners out there. You've gone through a lot. Uh, Our family's gone through so much. Uh, Take a whole episode to talk about, but I can say that our marriage is rock solid. Um, because of the hard but beautiful emotional work that we've done together. And so that is the number one thing that I bring to the table in my work is that I've, I've gone through it personally. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think sometimes we give lip service to that idea that, uh, you know, failure is actually our best teacher. But, but if you think about it, what we're actually after, though, is, but I want to avoid all the failure. But what I hear you saying is that that a lot of what you're able to now deliver and offer to other people in terms of trying to improve and help their marriage 
is not necessarily saying, hey, try to avoid all failure, try to ignore all failure. But I think what you're saying is try to actually learn from it rather than just either dismiss it or or try to avoid it altogether. What would you speak right now to just that issue, that idea of failure is actually our greatest teacher along this journey? Oh my goodness, Jonathan. Failure, like I look back at so many of the failures in my life you know, the, the losing that, that career as a missionary, the just many bumps along the way. And I, I can say that um, I'm grateful for each one of those, every single breakdown, every single misstep, every single character flaw that came out in a destructive way. Um, it, it was painful. It was hard. I'm sorry for what happened in that. I feel bad about it. But at the same time, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I wouldn't have the marriage I have today without those bumps in the road. So I I think you're right. Uh, Embracing failure is important. And we actually, my wife, Kendra and I, we have this saying in our marriage. uh, We've coined mistakes are beautiful. So when a mistake happens, we try to go out of our way to in a sense, celebrate that mistake and just hold a space that it adds color to life instead of having a culture of no mistakes. Now, to be to be maybe clear, I think even when you say that mistakes are beautiful, I can already sense certain responses that people in our audience might have. Because, I mean, in some cases, maybe I can hear somebody screaming at their podcast, you know, feed right now and saying... <laughs> What? Mistakes are beautiful because they're probably thinking, you know, not all mistakes carry the same consequences, right? Some mistakes are bigger than others and some mistakes affect other people more than others. So how would you try to to frame up that idea of mistakes are beautiful when when in some cases, especially when we're talking about marriages, um, the mistakes that have taken place in a marriage can have devastating, painful effects on their spouse. For instance, I mean, in our ministry, we're dealing all the time with sexual betrayal, sexual brokenness. Um, How do you get to this idea that mistakes are beautiful? And then we'll kind of start coming back around and talking about that regarding vulnerability. But can you, can you help frame that out a little bit more when I can hear people saying, Austin, not all mistakes are made equal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, you know, there, there's a context to all of this. So all of us, um, some of us are more aware of it than others, but we all live within a cultural context that frames our perspectives on everything, including mistakes and shortcomings and failures. And living in a Western culture of performance, we have such a premium value on success, on doing it right on getting it done. And that has served us incredibly, especially in material ways. Um, But where we lose in that cultural construct is when it comes to relationships and when it comes to grace. So I'm not saying that there there are some, it's one thing for my wife to burn something that she's cooking and for us to laugh about it. Another thing for, uh, you know, a betrayal to happen. Those are Mm -hmm. different levels of mistakes. And I don't say that to glorify, especially those egregious um, failures of morality and other things that those things cause very real, very negative consequences. Um, But what I'm trying to say is that uh, we're human. 
and we're in some ways culturally trying to live like we're not. And if there's anything I know about the gospel and about my journey with God is that um, he embraces our humanity instead of Mm -hmm. rejecting it or um, wanting us to hide it. Uh, And there are countless stories in scripture of people making huge life-altering mistakes and still being within the rivers of grace in God's Mm -hmm. view. And so I, I think that's the beauty. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally tracking with you. I actually agree with the statement. I just I think sometimes it, it we we've got to couch it in that in that grace understanding paradigm, right? And we've also got to see that that to get to that un, that viewpoint that mistakes are beautiful, some mistakes you have to travel further into the grace and into the healing process before you can actually see you know what? There, there was a beauty that came through that. Like, I, mean, I look at my own history, man, deep sexual betrayal. I, I was living my own life. I mean, just totally destroying other people's lives and hurting my wife and all these kinds of things. And yet um, God in his grace founded an entire ministry off of what he what he produced out of that. So I, I do believe that if we're willing to do that hard journey of saying, let me, let me go into those mistakes with the Lord at my side and with his grace undergirding me, then I think there is a type of beauty that can be found there. And that's what I want to talk about specifically right now with this issue of, of vulnerability in marriage. Um, you know, I, I think we are living in a time right now, we see this all the time in our ministry, I'm sure you see it all the time in what you do, is where where couples are trying to build a life together and they have no strong foundation of understanding how to be really open and vulnerable. And, and if I could put it this way, even like emotionally healthy with one another. So can you can you help our listeners first of all get an understanding of how you would even define this this idea of emotional vulnerability and then we can start maybe figuring out what does that look like in a marriage. Absolutely Jonathan. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of models for emotional vulnerability for us. I I personally grew up in a home where there was a lot of models of what it means to be emotionally invulnerable. Right, where my my family, um, great great parents, still have a great relationship with them, and they they were able to live productive, fulfilling lives. And at the same time, there there wasn't a lot of conversation or modeling of what it means to really share your feelings and talk about them, especially if there's something that's hard, if you're feeling sad or you're feeling. Uh, confused or afraid or all these things that are uncomfortable to feel, I, I never saw my parents helping me through that or modeling that, or, or it wasn't something that I, I remember a lot of. And so for me personally, there, there wasn't like an example of what is being emotionally healthy even mean? Like that, that's something I kind of had to find for myself. So I could see if listeners, if you're wondering like emotional vulnerability, that just sounds like something that sounds weird or that sounds like, I'm not sure if I want that. Uh, I just want to be able to like make my marriage work. You Mm -hmm. know, I want to fix it. And so many people come to me, that's what they want. They're like, 
our communication's all messed up. We disrespect each other. Can you fix it? Um, I'm like, well, yes. And it's going to take a different mindset than just fixing. For me, emotional vulnerability means coming heart to heart, that a marriage is of its two hearts, that each person has this place inside themselves that is the deepest part of their soul. It's where they love. It's this God-designed place from which we attach to things, from which we desire, from which we, we have relationship. And so when you have a marriage and you have two people coming together, the state of each of their hearts matters more than anything, in my opinion. And that heart, your heart, if you're listening right now, you have a heart, you have a soul, and that, that heart has a story. Uh, a story of how it's been treated, of what it believes, of how um, how it feels or doesn't feel. And what I find is there's a lot of people coming into marriage and part of their heart is closed off and that they, they may be happy, they, things may be fine, but when it comes to sharing the mistakes, sharing the harder things, it, that that heart doesn't want to, to give that over. And so Couples I see that thrive, that really have not just a marriage that works, but a marriage that is like that overflowing cup of joy and fun and peace are the couples that can be real, that they, they share, they are known by each other. They share their, their secrets, their feelings, their thoughts, and it is received without criticism or uh, insensitivity. So let's, let's unpack a couple, you know, several things here that you mentioned. One is... Um, I think for some some spouses out there, um, just the idea of being able to articulate what a feeling is, is a huge challenge. So that's one thing I'd like for us to address. Like, how do you help a person just, they're going, I have never, I mean, other than, I th I'm thinking of men a lot of times here, uh, other than a guy being able to say, I can totally recognize when I'm angry, that seems to be the only emotion that I yeah, like understand. Um, but how do you, how would you help the spouses out there that are going, I don't even really know how to start to work on, on speaking my emotions. Where do I go, Austin? Like, how do I begin to even learn what I'm actually feeling and then try to wrap a word around it? That's why I think a lot of people just avoid this. Like you said, they didn't have the model growing up. They didn't have somebody, they weren't in an environment where emotional talk was, was a normal part of the environment. Where would you help that stunted spouse start in developing language for their emotions? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Jonathan. Well, just briefly before we talk about how, I, I want to address why. Because some people go, why, why does it even matter to connect to my emotions? And, and I just want to say that it's the wellspring of life to be able to live from a whole heart that is the fruit of the spirit, that is, that is loving, that is patient, that is peaceful, that is joyful and gentle. It, it takes our full set of emotions and to make peace with them. That, that people really, they, they have not made peace with what they feel inside. And that's why they're stuck. And so before we get into any technique or how, I, you need to embrace the fact that there are parts of your heart that you don't like. And it can be hard to admit that. And that is, 
the power of vulnerability is vulnerability is saying what really is, even when it's hard to say. And I find, especially as people of faith and as Christians, for some reason, culturally, we have trouble admitting that because we feel a pressure to be perfect for God and for others. And, and that facade really needs to melt away. And so it's, I, I think the first step of how is just being real of just going, what do I actually feel or what am I actually afraid of? And just being honest with yourself without any judgment or any that's bad or wrong. It's okay. I want to say to everybody out there, it's okay to be where you're at on the journey and, I and would, to just start I would... listening to that. And I would add real briefly to that on, on the, the why element as well. The why question is when you realize that at our core, we were actually, um, we were actually made in the image of God, which means that we were actually made to be known and to be loved. And if you think about it, if you don't go on this journey of really being able to engage this huge part of what it means to be a human being, which is being an emotional being, a, a being with feelings, we reflect God, God has feelings, then you're going to miss a, a, maybe one of the most significant parts of the journey of being human. So in other words, if we're only production oriented, we're only performance oriented, we're only like get the task done oriented. For one thing, as a Christian, you'll probably gravitate towards a high-level high legalism. Just do all the rules, so to speak. And you never can get down to where, like you said, the wellspring of life, right? Where life is actually lived is deep within the heart. And so I would actually make the argument that why you want to go on this journey, why you need to go on this journey is you're not going to be able to tap into the essence of life as a human being. And certainly you're not going to be able to tap into the essence of oneness that God created for marriage if you do not learn how to engage, embrace, and express your emotions. 100% yes. I, I agree with you. And, and I just want to say it, it, to everybody that's skeptical, it's, it's worth it. Like for me, I look at the last 10 years of my life and it's been the best 10 years of my life. Not even because the circumstances all lined up, but it's because of who God transformed me to be on the inside. Whereas I look back at the years before that, I was a missionary. I was sharing my faith. I was memorizing chapters of the Bible and prayer and fasting, all that stuff, good stuff. But I, I was doing it to kind of hoping that if I did enough activity, then I would feel the right way as opposed to learning to have intimacy with God and myself and my, my spouse, as opposed to performance. And that's mm -hmm. a big thing for men, especially as, you know, I bought my wife flowers on Thursday or I did what she asked me to do. Isn't that me loving her? And yes, it's part of it, but guess what? Your wife wants your heart and you want your heart too. And God as well. Yeah, and what I'm hearing you say in this too is that while we are we are kind of aiming towards that specific relationship of marriage, right? I'm also hearing this as something that totally universally applies to the human condition. Like even, even a single person out there, it's like, listen, there's a need for you to understand and be able to express your emotional self because how are you going to form deep friendships? How are you thinking of even like the church context? How are we to be, you know, um, 
how are we to fellowship as one body, as one in Christ, if we're not if we're not doing these things? But let's talk specifically a little bit about about marriage. Okay, so you know you've got a couple come in, or you're dealing with a couple, and it's so obvious that okay, one one of the key things that's keeping them from really being able to connect on an intimate level is this aspect of there's not the emotional health, there's not the emotional vulnerability. Um, how do you start? How do you help a couple kind of get over some of those hurdles or where do you start with a couple to help them get over those hurdles? You know, Jonathan, I, I wish I could say there was some like magic wand trick, um, but it really is, it is different for every couple. And more than anything, you know, we're, we're on such, especially today, uh, our digital age, 2020, we're, we're, we're all on the hunt for f- quick fixes. We're mm-hmm. looking for that, that one tool, that one formula. And this, this work, it's the work of relationship. So I show up by caring about each of the uh, individuals in the room and just being modeling a, an empathy and a gentleness to look towards the heart instead of the behavior. You know, I've dealt with people that, um, you know, have had betrayals, have had addictions, that they've, they've caused such damage in their marriage but I know underneath that, there's a story. And I know for the person that's been hurt, there's a story. Uh, and so I really try to find the stories and hold more than anything to, to hold a space. So somebody, it seems so weird and odd, but most of us, we haven't really sat with our own story. Mm-hmm. Like, because nobody has really held the room for that story to come out and for us to really see it and accept it and move through it. And so as I give a lot of just listening space and just to understand what has been the journey of each spouse's heart and how does that then play into a dynamic of how they, they, they step on each other's pain instead of helping each other heal. Well, um, what I and, saw- I love what you're saying about story because that's one of our core core values here. And and what I think I think people need to hear is sometimes when when you say you know holding space for somebody to tell their story, a lot of people think, well, listen, I've I've told my story before, and usually what they've done is they've told a chronology of events that have happened in their lives. I I'm guessing what you're saying by being able to give space for somebody to tell their story is allowing them to get into those places, like you said, where it's like, okay, there are dark places in us that we are afraid of, or that we don't, we don't ever let come out. We don't ever, you know, put a word on, we don't ever let see the light of day. And that to me is kind of what you're talking about there. Like, do we allow, do we have enough grace to allow a person to kind of get that out? And I would actually argue that I think there's very few people, especially in, I mean, I hate to say it, but especially in the church, that have not ever actually told their full story to another human being. Yeah. Maybe not yeah. even their spouse, right? Yeah. There, there's there's couples, yeah, that, that haven't really, maybe they've told it, but they haven't really processed it. So there's a difference. You can you can dump out your story or you can tell it in a way that's emotionally detached. But it's another thing to talk about your story in a way that is vulnerable that really you you let somebody into the feelings of that experience. That is what creates an emotional bond. It's not being, see, this is something that is counterintuitive. 
a lot of times we, we can think if I'm just super impressive, if I just have myself looking good and put together, people will like me. Um, and, and what's maybe people will on some level, but they, they also may be intimidated. But when you show up and you said, you know what, like it, for any of you that have gone to a small group or gone to somebody and confide and said, you know, I messed up or I'm struggling. It, it, you, you're afraid that you're going to be rejected. But what usually happens is somebody goes, they pull close. They respect you more. They trust you more because they can see they can see all of you. Well, and some of it means that they can also see a reflection of themselves in you because they're like, yeah. man, in some ways they're going, oh, thank you for breaking the ice because I, I would like <laughs> to tell you a little bit about how I'm struggling too. And we see that all the time when we do like our, our workshop for men. When we've created that safe place and guys start to tell their story, it's like just the dominoes start following, following because guys are like, I have never been in, I've never been in a safe enough place where I can share everything about what's gone on in my life. So how does, um, what are some dynamics that you then see in the marriage relationship of how moving into this space of emotional vulnerability increases the bond rather than creating more conflict or more division? Let me, to illustrate that, let me tell a story. So there was a couple that I worked with where they had separated and they had separated because the husband had been dealing with an addiction and, and the wife kicked him out. She said, it's not safe for you to be in the home. I want you out. She was pretty, pretty hurt, pretty upset. And so he, you know, he got help. He got therapy. He got clean. And three months later, they came to see me for the first time. And we're trying to figure out, can we even, can we move back in together? Can we, can this even work? And I've seen some variation of this, of, of couples separated and thinking, can we even come back together? And so um, to, they had, you know, what I had to do is go into their stories and hear the stories of their lives and where, move towards the pain. So this is something that people don't like is moving. When we have pain, we generally want to keep people away, especially if them getting close to the pain has not helped. But what I do is I try to create a safe enough space where we move towards the pain, kind of like a doctor dealing with a wound that hasn't been cared for and it's all infected and everything. Sometimes the doctor's got to go in there and, and scrub out that whole wound so it can heal properly. Even if that wound is months or years old, it's kind of like that with the heart, except I'm not scrubbing, but I am moving into it. And, and what I find with this couple is they have a dynamic where uh, behind a lot of addic addiction or sexual brokenness, there's usually a, a, a self-focus. And so the husband's dealing with a great deal amount of self-focus. Life is about him, either that it's all about him or alternatively, he gets really you know depressed and just I'm so, you know, woe is me. And, and I'm not saying that to trivialize depression, mm -hmm. but if you've ever been in a relationship with a depressed person, it, it takes some energy. And so the the, the wife, meantime, she's feeling like I'm not a priority. I don't have my husband. I don't have a friend. Who, and so she's getting angry. So she gets angry and her anger steps on the husband's pain because he's got all this, this story from his childhood of just, I'm not enough. I don't perform well enough. And so he's, you know, they have this cycle where he gets depressed and she gets angry and they both push each other further. And so to reverse that cycle, I had to teach them how to care about each other. 
And so one cool thing I'll do is where I'll actually lead couples in an exercise of connecting emotionally. And as I led him into really speaking to her heart, there's this part of this wife's heart where she felt lonely growing up. She, her parents were distant emotionally and she didn't have a lot of friends. And so she always felt like she just wanted a friend and she has felt alone. And that is the heart behind her anger. And so when I led the husband to really care about her heart and not just dismiss it or be about him, but go, you know, can I be the friend you've never mm-hmm. had? Can I show up in that way? Literally, this happened in a session and her eyes were like glued to him. Like she didn't look at me the rest of the session. Like she was like, oh my goodness, you're speaking to this little girl inside that mm-hmm. has never heard somebody say, can I just be your friend and care about you in this special way? And that began their transformation. And with, you know, within a month or two, they had moved in back together and they were thriving. And it was because they learned how to speak healing to each other instead of just continued just pain. Yeah. You know, the, uh, uh, we've only got a few minutes left, but one of the things that I'm hearing you say that is, is a, is something we're always trying to highlight with couples is, um, and, and especially the older I get, the more I feel like good grief, you know, real intimacy in a marriage kind of boils down to this one thing. And it's about what we're talking about regarding emotions, but it's this empathy. And what I'm hearing you say is like, when we're able to, to finally bring our full selves into the relationship and finally share our full selves with one another. It's, it actually can draw us toward one another with more of an understanding heart, more of a humility, because like you said, if I'm going to be totally self-focused, then I'm probably actually trying to use you rather than actually trying to be engaged in your life. So as I get more honest about my own brokenness, my own, you know, emotional situation and, and, and all of that, and bring that honestly into this relationship. Now there's an empathy that can grow there and the oneness that can result. So there's just like positive after positive after positive for us being willing to step into that initially scary place of dealing with our emotions, honestly. So in our last few minutes here, Austin, I mean, what are just some things, some other things that you'd like to share with our listeners uh, along these lines? And then also how can, our listeners get in touch with you or learn more about what you uh, offer. Well, I just first want to say, Jonathan, I, I think you summed that up really well, that the core of love in my mind is that, that empathy, that being able to stand in another person's experience and try to understand what that's like. And that, that is Jesus shows us the father, you know, it says that in the new Testament, and Jesus, he, he came to earth and he stood in our shoes. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm, this is the way that I'm going to heal the planet and heal the world is I'm going to step into humanity and suffer with you. And it's kind of like us doing that in our marriage. Like I'm going to step into your experience and experience it with you as opposed to be dis- detached or critical. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's beautiful. And I just want to say for anybody listening right now, um, wherever you're at, maybe I want to speak to that, that person that, um, that, that spouse that male or female, where you're just feeling really like tired in your marriage, um, that 
you, your situation matters and your what you're, you don't have to hide what you're feeling. It, it happens so much. There are so many hurting marriages out there and, and you can move out of it by asking for help, by asking for someone to help you. And maybe I'm that person. And if I am for you, you can reach out to me. I've got a website where you can fill out a contact form. I offer free consultations uh, just to help couples evaluate the dynamic in their relationship. And so um, my website is risingpath.org, risingpath, one word, dot O-R-G. And I'd love to to help you on that journey to a heart-connected marriage. Yeah. Well, Austin, I, I really appreciate uh, what you're doing, what you're bringing to this space with couples. Um, I also want to just uh, uh, encourage you. I feel like you have a uh, you have a genuineness about you that comes across. Um, you know, I I think it's evident that God has been really working on you in this area because you're 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 fully present in the moment, and I think there's a lot of people that struggle with that. You know, to be able to know how can I really be in this moment. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've brought just even to this this program uh, today. Uh, but I'm I'm also encouraged about how you're going to be continuing to help more couples. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And I got to say, our, our work goes hand in hand and everything that you're doing with Be Broken. I mean, it's it's speaking to the same kind of heart, that that healing that, that brings such life. Yeah. Well, listeners, please uh, go to risingpath.org. Uh, learn more about Robbie and the minister, or I'm sorry, Austin. I, I just okay. got the last part of your name. Uh, uh, w- learn more about Austin and what they're doing to help couples. Um, and we, we're so glad that you've been with us here today. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Thank you. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.